You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and on ESPN 1067. Find the show wherever you get your podcast. If you ever miss a show, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Still trying to figure out what's going on with the Tracy Rocker news that broke over the weekend that Pete Thamel put up on Yahoo Sports about possibly him headed off to the NFL with the Philadelphia Eagles. But right now, the Auburn coaching staff still intact and I say that because it feels like now we're going into the offseason. Of course, signing day is right around the corner. It's only about a week away. I think it is a week away. And then you've got also the fact that Auburn has started their winter workouts. You know, you've got new strength and conditioning coach Jeff Pittman getting, getting into the weight room with the guys for the first time. It's beginning to feel like Auburn is in the offseason. So with that being said... Off-season football talk begins, list and rankings and whatnot. And so Levi and I today are going to rank Auburn's position groups going into the off-season. And man, did we have a hard time with this. This is actually really difficult. It was a lot to really think about. And after hearing some of the things you were saying as well, I know our lists are different, which is going to be really good. And it's going to be a fun conversation to see why you think a certain way on this and why I think a certain way on this and why we agree on certain ones. There's so much to weigh because some position groups have a star in it, but maybe some of the peripheral players aren't that great. Some position groups have a lot of depth, maybe no stars in it, but a lot of depth. I'm looking at wide receivers. I think there are a lot of bodies there, but no, but nobody that's really proven. Some position groups have a stud in it, but no depth. So it's really hard to kind of weigh the pros and the cons for a lot of these position groups but let's get started with it starting at number eight Levi tell me who your worst position group is going into the offseason in Auburn's football program I'm going with the cop out I'm going with the offensive line I mean it was a bad position last year they gave up what 20 sacks in 11 games and even the ones that and that's not even counting the amount of hurries that Bo Nix was under at all times with that duress just did not perform well enough in 2020 for me to think that in 2021 it'll be any different could change but I think going into this season I think this is the worst position group Auburn has and I would love to see them make a big leap that when the bar's low you can make a big leap but I just think this is the worst position group going into this next season I see your points about that offensive line's pretty low for me as well but it's not number eight Number eight for me is wide receiver tight ends, and I feel like for the last three weeks, ever since the beginning of this show, I've done nothing but heap on praise into this position group, into the investment that Auburn has made into the passing game with hiring Cornelius Williams as wide receivers coach with new quarterbacks and offensive coordinator coach. You've you've got Mike Bobo, and then you've got 
Brian Harson's track record with quarterbacks. There's so much investment going into the passing game. But with that being said, the stipulation and the condition of this rankings list is going into the offseason. And right now, when you've got three guys, your top three receivers are leaving the program and the guys returning, Kobe Hudson, Capers, Elijah Canyon, Shedrick Jackson, they all didn't really receive that much playing time. It's hard for me to rank them any higher than eighth. You you don't have a single receiver in this group. You don't have a single receiver in this group that has the ability, or, or I would say has the ability, but there's not a single receiver in this group that has proven yet that they are a primary target in the SEC. I don't know if any of these receivers have proven that they're without a doubt a bona fide number two target in the SEC, or at least at at least at among the top percentage of teams in this league. And by top percentage, I mean for four four through five, you know, in the SEC, top four or five teams are they a, a number two even on a lot of these rosters? Not to say that they won't become that, but they haven't proven it yet. They just haven't seen a whole lot of targets. They maybe see you know two two targets a game, not even with how Auburn's passing attack has been concerned. So for me, the worst position group, wide receiver, tight ends. Tight ends, there have been no production. And then for this wide receiver group, none of these guys have really seen substantial playing time. I agree. That's why I have them as my number seven as well. And I think you have offensive line as your seven, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, the two worst position groups, I think, at Auburn going into 2021's offseason is the offensive line and the wide receivers and tight ends. So I don't want to harp too much on what you just said with the receivers. Again, I the only reason I have the receivers a little bit higher than the offensive line, I like the potential that they have to be better. And again, The receivers coach as well. I Yes. I, I love the hire. It's an unproven Every hire. Every day I talk about Cornelius Williams, I, I get more and more excited about what the receiver room can become. And I hear other people talking about it. I get more and more excited about what the receiver room can become at Auburn. He grows on you. He grows on you. You see what his production was. It wasn't at you know the Power 5 level, but I think he can. I think especially I think there's a lot of talent in this receiver room. I think they have a lot of room to improve. They're so low right now because, again, unproven, has not seen a lot of snaps, probably some guys who might not even be a bona fide one on this roster as of right now. Don't want to go too in much on it because you already went in on that route but yeah receivers and linemen definitely the two worst going in we can both agree that's the consensus I put offensive linemen at seven because I think they did more to prove themselves going into and that's hard to believe that we're saying that but I think when you compare the two position groups offensive line versus receivers slash tight ends Auburn's pass catchers the ones they've got coming back have done so little to prove anything and that's because they just haven't had the playing time they haven't had the targets of course Seth Williams Anthony Schwartz and Eli Stove are going to garner the majority of the touches off of that receiving core you know 90 percent of that it feels like would be the touches for those guys and then you know Capers and, and Hudson got some looks throughout the year Cedric Jackson was primarily a run blocker really didn't feel like he was targeted that much in ball games and then Canyon just came out of nowhere in the bowl game and, and you wonder is as fun as it was to watch could that just be you know kind of how we see some guys who have big a days you know we say is that you know is this just a, a fleeting spling uh, a feeding a fleeting spring fling or is it or is this the real deal and a lot of times when you come out of a day it's just a fleeting spring fling you know 
is that bowl game just kind of a, a fleeting image or is Canyon going to be a major staple in this offense? It's just so hard to gauge and these guys are so they, they, they don't have a whole lot of experience right now. That's why I say going into the offseason. But, you know, midway through next year, we could be looking at this as one of the deepest groups for Auburn as far as bodies are concerned and just consistent pass catchers because of the development that it can occur at the wide receiver's position. Offensive line for me, though, they I think they had more production this year. And I, I haven't been as hard on the offensive line as most people have been. I've heaped a lot of it on Bo Nix. I think after the Georgia game, everybody wanted to blame the offensive line. I think we saw legitimate offensive line improvement from game one all the way to the final to, to the final game of the regular season. I'm going to exclude the bowl game because Auburn did not look like they cared at all about what was going on in that football game. I think we saw legitimate improvement from the offensive line from game one to the very end of the season, especially in run blocking. Tank Bigsby, he's great at creating his own space. He's great at breaking tackles. He's agile. He's got good balance. He checks all the boxes at running back, and he definitely makes an offensive line look good. But the previous offensive line, I say the previous offensive line, the one that had, you know, Driscoll, Winogo, all those guys on it, this offensive line that was a mass exodus that leads us into this current offensive line that Auburn has, you know, five new starters on it this year. That offensive line, I felt like, was made to look worse by the running backs. I felt Whitlow was incapable of creating his own space. I felt like, you know, a run that Najee Harris, you give Najee Harris and Jatarvius Whitlow the same hole, Whitlow's going to take it for four. Harris is going to take it for seven or eight, maybe more. And you saw that all this year. All you, the you time. You gave him just a small hole, and he is gone for and of at course, least eight yards, seven or eight yards. And of course, I am comparing a bottom half of the league, a bottom half of the league running back versus a in my opinion, should have been rightfully a top three Heisman candidate. I know he wasn't, but he's a top five college football player. I'm over here comparing that to to that, which maybe isn't completely fair, but the point is some players are simply just better than others at creating their own space. And I felt like the offensive line prior to this one maybe was maybe looked bad at times at run blocking, and it possibly could have been because the running backs weren't very good. Auburn hasn't had a good running back until now since Carrion Johnson, and that, that has been since 2017. 18 and 19, those backfields were not good. There not, were Not, not a, at all. There was not a good running back. There wasn't a running back who even separated himself as the no. one. You just had a bunch of, in my opinion, threes. You had a lot of you know, third-string running backs who were kind of all split. It was a backfield by committee with no good parts in the committee. So I think what we saw this year, sure, this offensive line and vice versa with the, with the same point, it could be being helped out a little bit and maybe look better as far as statistically when you're talking about run blocking and whatnot because of Tank Bigsby. That is a running back that just does not take a loss, right? So their tackles for loss statistics are going to look better maybe than previous offensive lines. And yes, they need a ton of help with pass blocking. Pass blocking is the reason why they are seventh on my list, why they are one of the worst units at Auburn right now because their pass blocking is so bad. But here's the thing. They bring back the entire unit. Everybody's coming back. The experience is there from a full year. The question is, will Will Friend be able to take these guys? Are they malleable? Are they coachable? Are they going to improve? That remains to be seen. I don't know if Will Friend, the thing that you hang your hat on with him, 
is if he's a developer, I think you more hang your head on him as a recruiter. So new blood will probably be inserted over time, but this is the offensive line that you've got right now, and I don't think you're going to see major changes to it going into this season unless you know maybe a grad transfer too there's the harvard grad transfer that may get inserted it'll be nice to get brandon council back because he was a stud on this line i think auburn's line this year ravaged by injury as well makes him look a little bit worse i just the returning production at o-line is literally the thing that edges wide receivers for me early i mean that's it's gonna it's a lot it's a really young it's a really uh what's the word i'm looking for it's a weird situation with Will Friend coming in because I think that they can make a big leap with him. I think he can get the most out of some of these guys. Now, if the question, now let's change the question here. Which group between offensive line and receivers has the higher ceiling? I'm going wide receivers all day long. I think there's so much more talent at that wide receiver position. And you you nailed it on the head with they they we haven't seen a lot of them. I mean, Shedrick Jackson was out there, but he was just blocking most of the time when he was there. I don't know what these guys look like with consistent targets throughout a ball game and having to go against you know no longer now are you going against when they're on the field they are it's not all three of those guys on the field at one time they're going against the third or fourth best cornerback on the roster of the of the opposing defense they are never having to go against the number one that's not happening you know why because either Seth Williams or Anthony Schwartz or Eli Stove are out there on the field with them or all three of them are out there on the field and they're the fourth guy out there you never just saw Capers, Canyon, and Hudson all on the field at the same time. Welcome to the show, man. You are going to have to go against number one corners, guys that are going to be first-round draft picks in this league now, and I don't know what they look like. See, just ask Seth Williams. I mean, you saw what J.C. Horn did to him in that South Carolina game last year. They're, you're going to have to see one of these guys step up and be able to either attempt and fail at getting separation on a good cornerback, or they're going to have to actually challenge one of those premier starting cornerbacks they're they're going up against ones and twos they're not going up against fours and fives anymore it will be a fun exercise to get into after a day which there will be an a day game this year you know barring disaster right eventually there will be one and they're going to set that date and coach harson said that last week in his media availability they're going to start working through their schedules and whatnot you'll start spring practice and in, in March, midway through March, you'll have A-Day probably coming up in, in early April. We don't have a specific date on that yet, but after A-Day, I think it'll be a fun, after spring practice, it will be a fun exercise to go back through these position groups and re-rank them now after we've gotten to see them inserted into Auburn's new schemes and systems on the offensive and defensive side of the football. Where are guys lining up? Have they been moved around in positions? Because that will change my view of this a lot. Let me assure you, by the end of the 2021 football season, I know people have to be, you know, people are really high up in Auburn's wide receiver room and the youth that's there. Yes, I did just rank them last. By the end of 2021, they will be a top half unit for Auburn football. They will not be the worst unit that Auburn has. It will develop and they will be, I think that this offense will accentuate their skill sets better than we've seen Gus Malzahn and his schemes and his coordinators do in the past I think this this is a system that is going to highlight what Bo Nix does well and what the receivers do well but right now simply put we just don't know enough about the unit right now and the production isn't there so it's towards the bottom and then of course offensive lines track record this year that that's gonna that's gonna drop them like an anchor too all the way to the bottom of our list so you had O-line at eight and then wide receivers at seven I had wide receivers slash tight ends at eight and you 
had or and I had O line at seven. So two worst units. I think every uh, you know between we definitely the, agree that they we agree that they're the two worst. There's there's no debating, and it's splitting hairs almost in terms of just how you perceive it. Sure. I mean, we know that there's potential talent in that receiver room. We just haven't seen it yet. And then we know that the offensive line played poorly last year, but they should be better this year with a new coach and you know more experience along that line. So it really just how you perceive it. But I think without a doubt, these are the two bottom ones, and I think everybody could agree on that. Hey, if you disagree with us, though, call in 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. If you think we are absolutely insane, talk to the crazy people on the radio. Once again, the phone number 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Or you can add us on Twitter at Point Gardner and at Levi Fitzwater. We got more of On the Line coming up on the other side of this break. Auburn player at the Senior Bowl, KJ Britt, he weighed in today. There are measurements going on. We've got a uh, we've got a quote from Christian Page, friend of the program. He's out there covering it for Cover1.net. So we've got some uh, some NFL draft spin there for for KJ Britt and what's going on down in Mobile. Stay with us here on On the Line. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Find us on Twitter at Point Gardner and at Levi Fitzwater. Join into the show at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. In our next segment, we'll have J.D. Byers, South Alabama play-by-play and host of the Press Box with Chris Stewart. That show starting this week. They're two days in now and... Uh, Looking forward to talking to them about the genesis of their show, kind of get them to promote their show a little bit and, and tell us you know, what's going on with the press box and, and kind of get some of his thoughts as well uh, about Auburn basketball, Alabama basketball, what's going on at South Alabama as well. It's always good to, cha- to talk with J.D. Byers. Hope everybody is having a good day. We appreciate you being on the line with us as well. So far, we've been going through our rankings list for Auburn football position groups going into the offseason for next year. And, and we've gone through two already. We'll continue to go through that list as the show goes on, and we'll revisit it. But we had eight and seven already knocked out. We'll take a step away for that for the moment. And let's talk some Auburn Senior Bowl stuff. It was weigh-ins today, and K.J. Britt is the Auburn player at the Senior Bowl this year. His numbers came in at six feet tall, 239 pounds, 76-inch wingspan, and then uh, a 30 and three-quarters arm length, uh, and then also uh, his hand width at uh, nine and three-eighths. So uh, when you look at those, when you look at those statistics and, and his measurements and weigh-ins, and, and you know, it's kind of funny. <laughs> NFL draft guys go crazy about this stuff. They go crazy over these weigh-ins, and they get they they go cra- crazy over the combine and everything. And what th- that can do to a player's draft stock is shoot them up. And for some guys, it can drop them like lead and water. I uh, I texted with Christian Page today of Cover1.net, friend of the program. We've had him on a few times. We're going to try and get him on this week as the week progresses. He just now got down to Mobile. Today was the first day of it all with practices and whatnot. Very busy, very busy. Go and find him on Twitter, Christian Page. Go and find him and, and, and uh, follow all of his content as well with Cover1.net. Uh, I got a quote from him about K.J. Britt. He said, 
Quote, I would say average to slightly below average across all measurements. His shorter frame, accompanied with some heaviness, will be a concern given his only average speed and quickness. Undersized linebackers have become popular recently only because the guys can run and play a versatile role. Can Britt do that? I don't think so. And the thing about K.J. Britt is he reminds me so much of Deshaun Davis. And, of course, we saw an NFL team take a, take a shot with Deshaun Davis, but obviously it did not lead to any type of longevity in the NFL. At some, you know, NFL teams want a lot of speed, agility, lateral quickness. I don't know if KJ Britt is able to bring that to the table for uh, for an NFL team. I don't know if that's something that's in his arsenal, and I would tend to agree here with Christian. I agree as well. He, being his smaller body, you want that kind of body to be quick. You want to have a lateral, quick moving guy. KJ Britt has not shown that he can do that. It's, it's weird to say Deshaun Davis because that feels almost exactly the same right here in terms of at least a draft projection. I think someone is going to take a stab on him. It'll probably be, it'll, it'll be day three. It'll be day three if he gets drafted. Probably somewhere five or six if I was to take a guess. Maybe, um, maybe even later. Not sure. But I think... I don't think he gets drafted higher than the sixth round. I don't think so either. I mean, I, five would be if he just absolutely comes out and impresses in either the senior bowl or combine in terms of on the field play. But I think they're going to, he's going to be held back by his lackluster physical ability, you know, above or average to below average across the board on most physical attributes does not bode well for a guy. I mean, draft draft people will take you based off your physical prowess rather than your production any day. So it would take a lot for KJ Britt to really make an impression. I see him being hit around, six ish maybe seven you an undrafted free agent possibly if he just bombs out at the combine or the senior bowl well the combine's not happening this uh, year of course yeah no combine this year yeah i know easy to forget that but the combine yes. is canceled this year yes, and that's no gonna combine. affect that's gonna that, affect, affect big things for guys like the guys in this situation are going to be hurting for no combine and this is going to be kj Britt's ability or this is where he has to show that he can make a pro roster i think he'll his, still have pro day though Yes, I think his I think his ceiling is probably going to be just a depth piece at linebacker while he will probably be just a perennial special teamer on an NFL roster. Well, let's talk about what he does well that could translate to the NFL level. And I'm having a hard time checking boxes. There's one thing that you can say about KJ Britt and what he did in college. He was a very good college linebacker on Auburn's defense, mainly because he hit hard. He he played, you know, with reckless abandon. He was going to go and you know lay his body on the line. He was going to hit hard. He was going to fill holes. He had a nose for the football and knew how to fill gaps. And he was very good in college at run stopping. The problem is, at not only just the collegiate level but also at the NFL level, we're seeing more and more nickel sets on defense. We're seeing more and more teams switch to defenses maybe that it's not not that their base is nickel but they end up in nickel a lot of times because there are three wide receivers out on the field and one tight end which means there are four pass catchers on the field we talked a couple of weeks ago on a show talking about how the game has changed a lot and how most NFL teams now have actually a pretty good pass catching tight end on their roster I mean you can go across the board most teams have at least one guy who you would trust to be able to catch the football. Now, some are special, like Travis Kelsey, because they have the ability to stretch the field vertically. They're hard to cover. They're a matchup nightmare. K.J. Britt, 
he cannot cover. He will not be able to cover the NFL, and that is going to freak some some GMs out because I don't think he I, he will not be able to play in the nickel. Go back and look at a few weeks ago when the Saints played the Buccaneers, and you have Anzalone, who is a bigger guy than KJ Britt, but is a liability in coverage. He's not going to be returning on the Saints roster this year simply for the fact that he can't cover. It's out. You, as a linebacker, right now, you have to be able to cover like that, and K.J. Britt just doesn't bring that to an to an NFL roster type level. And I wouldn't go as so far as to say that linebackers, without a doubt, have to be just like exceptional in coverage or like that's their primary role in the NFL or anything, because it's not. But they have to be at least like somewhat competent in like zone coverage, or they have to at least be able to move out in space. You and cannot be an absolute liability. You have to be able to at to least do something. Move. Do something. You have to do something. You can't just like every time they drop back and they see you out there that you're getting picked on every play. You have to be semi competent, be able to move to a certain degree. I just don't know if KJ Britt can do that at the next level, and that's why he's going to be drafted. You know, day three if he is drafted. If people draft him, they'll draft him for the same reasons that they drafted Deshaun Davis. Good locker room guy, good teammate. He works hard. He's got a good mind. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He plays the game the way that they want to see the game played. You will see teams, uh, a, a franchise is not going to fold on a sixth or a seventh round pick that doesn't pan out because oftentimes they don't pan out, right? It's, but, it's, always, good for a, it's always good for a special teams player. It's always good to have a little bit of depth at linebacker. I mean, you've seen this year alone with injuries all throughout top to bottom you can never have too much depth especially at the linebacker position so it's not too far to ask that someone's going to be able to draft him because he does do a lot of things well I mean that his run stopping ability his instincts he knows a lot about the game of football and that translates well to an NFL locker room like you said great locker room guy someone you want in there regardless if he's getting on the field or not probably will be a really good practice squad player that will get called up every now and then for injuries or again on special teams you hope that they still get to you know speak and, and be in close contact with teams you know because another great part about the combine is the interviews and you can really impress people in those face-to-face conversations some guys just really jump off the page sure. in terms of talking to them so that could that that could really hurt a guy like kj Britt or anthony schwartz or eli stove it's gonna be a long road for guys we got jd byers coming up on the other side of this break stay with us here on on the line Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. And joining us on the phone now as we tease going into the break, we've got J.D. Byers, play-by-play for South Alabama and host of the new show, The Press Box. He's hosting that show alongside Chris Stewart. J.D., how are you doing today? Oh, I'm great, and, uh, you know, it's been on and off clouds, no clouds, a little rain, clouds again, and uh, but I bring that up because the clouds have accumulated again over the uh, Hancock-Whitney Stadium here. I'm watching a senior bowl practice, the first uh, practice. They're going 11-on-11, and there's Kellen Bond, who's rolling out and hitting a receiver too far for these old eyes to see, but I'm seeing some familiar faces getting some reps, Matt Jones, uh, K.J. Britt from Auburn out there as well, so... Pretty, pretty exciting times. How has K.J. Brett looked out there? Man, uh, uh, let's start with the bus. Uh, all the buses pulled up, and 
you know, normally when a team comes in for a college game, they'll they'll, they'll have the first six or seven uh, guys that are intimidating get off uh, to kind of you know look look the part. They were all freaks uh, getting off the buses today. It's a, a, a great All Star game as the recent Senior Bowl. Uh, but, you know, I, I've watched him in coverage. He, he's going up against, obviously, the best receivers coming out of college this season, and he's really stayed in phase. And I, I think he is one of the guys that has something to prove here live in front of scouts because, you know, combines, aren't, they're not going to happen. Uh, so if you're going to do it, it's got to be in an all-star game like this. J.D., you're, you're hosting a new show called The Press Box. Kind of kind of take us through the genesis of that show and, and, uh, and also tell us, you know, how it's going so far. You're in day two of it. I, no one's canceled this yet, so that that was kind of shocking, but also you know it makes us happy. But um, no, it, you know, we, first we all go back a long way, especially uh, so. So Chris Stewart and I have a long history, but then Chris Stewart and Mike Grace also have a long history because they worked together and had a show for many years uh, with, and it was called the Ultimate Sports Show. And their star was uh, um, Kenny Snake Stabler, who's obviously passed on, and that show came to an end. Uh, the legendary. Oakland Raiders, New Orleans Saints, and Alabama quarterback. But, uh, you know, starting not long after I came to South Alabama in 2014, Chris and I got a lot closer because now we were doing more games together, especially in basketball and baseball. And he was like, man, we, we really ought to, you know, get a show going at some point. We just sit there and, and, and bounced it back and forth for, for several years. And at, sometimes we'd have some serious, you know, discussions about how, how would it, how would it look and make sense and be doable but because of our travel schedules, our other commitments during the day? And we both agreed, uh, you know, only a, a specific day part would work best. Uh, and then, uh, you know, an opportunity came up where uh, a station approached us and said, would you be, a, uh, be willing to look at uh, filling a, a slot here? And, and Chris brought Mike Grace back into the fold. He's an excellent producer. Uh, you know, and a distributor audio to the affiliates. And we just said, let's, let's start our own show, and then we'll distribute it to affiliates at no charge and uh, hopefully provide some really good in-state programming that has a little different flavor and flair to it instead of just being the same guys talking, trying to break news and be the, the latest and greatest insider. Uh, but, you know, like, like, like a show you do that, that, that has, you know, it, it kind of endears itself to a community and, and, and it isn't just a national show that's, you know, talking about uh, something in the NFL on the opposite coast that nobody really cares about, um, but, but kind of brings it in, in our case, to the state of Alabama and tries to touch all the corners and all the towns and all the programs and uh, the, the people who have influenced sports in the state of Alabama. We're speaking with J.D. Byers, South Alabama play-by-play man and host of the Press Box alongside Chris Stewart. You said you're also at the Senior Bowl right now. Uh, has anybody, you know, we talked a little bit about K.J. Britt. Has anybody just really caught your eye out there? Uh, you know, they're kind of putting in packages right now. And the rules of this game, you can go on their website, Reese'sSeniorBowl.com. Uh, I think that's right. Google it. But uh, and there, Mac Jones is uh, is taking some reps. He he is now back in with the offense in the in the white jerseys, and I think that's the national team in the brown with the the orange numbers. But uh, you know the rules of the game so that you can get in the plays you want to run, but also make it fair and equitable and not overwhelm and try to do too much is like for uh, the offense, for example, cannot run more than two receivers to a side, uh, and they they want them to be three receiver sets with a tight end. 
You can go, I think, twin receivers either side. Uh, the, uh, the, the rush is different. Uh, no blocks below the waist, so they, they want to keep it a safe game as well because these guys are looking at some pretty major contracts. So it's hard to see somebody in a practice, I think, at this point, first day, just, just blow you away. Uh, but, uh, you know, to, to know this level of talent is, is here, uh, not just in Mobile, but in the state of Alabama, is going to draw some big-time eyeballs. And by Saturday, I think we'll impress a lot of people, and hopefully we'll have a good game. Weather right now looks great for Saturday, by the way. So there's not a lot of eyes up here on South Alabama basketball. Do you want to talk about how their season's been going and why people should be tuning in and keeping an eye on them? Uh, I don't know. I would have loved to have had that conversation about four weeks ago, but it's been it's been kind of rough. Now, the Jags did split this last weekend at home, uh, lost one and won one against Georgia Southern. The, what, what's the, 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 this is a very the, – the guys that play have a ton of talent. Uh, and perform at a high level. The problem, Ian, is that uh, they don't have enough. It's It's been a seven-man roster, and it does not go to eight or even nine. It's been seven guys playing a ton of minutes, and you have guys like Michael Flowers, who ranks really high in a lot of categories and made threes, three-point percentage. He's got, uh, I think now, ten games over 20 and two games over 30, but he's having to play a ton of minutes. And and with this format that the Sun Belt's doing this year, playing a Friday and Saturday back to back, and against the same opponent, that is that's a lot of minutes and very little recovery time. So even at home right now, South Alabama's feeling fortunate to get splits playing just a seven-man team. Essentially, it's been it's been a you know unfortunate injuries, but also some portal guys, some transfers, and uh, you know you, you you can't do a whole lot of harping on it. Uh, this team's done a really good job of just getting closer together, hunkering down and giving it the, the best effort they can. Some big college basketball on tonight with Auburn and Alabama in action. I know you guys spoke with Andy Burcham. Uh, I believe it was either yesterday or today. And then, obviously, Chris Stewart does uh, basketball play-by-play for Alabama as well. So, y- y'all have got the inside track on both of those games tonight. Alabama taking on Kentucky, Auburn taking on Missouri. We'll start with that 6 p.m. game. Alabama trying to defend their top-10 ranking against Kentucky. What's sticking out to you about this rematch between those two teams? It's still Kentucky. <laughs> you know, you can look and go, wow. What, what, you know, Calipari, on, on one hand, he, he's banging himself up. Uh, how, how and why did I schedule like this? Because uh, he took on some tough opponents early. But, uh, and, and they are struggling a bit, but they're still Kentucky. Uh, it's like the snake story. An injured snake can be a very dangerous one. Uh, so they still have athletes. And, uh, you know, if, if you're Alabama, you, you don't want to walk into that buzzsaw and be the game that turns their season around. Uh, but uh, it, it's at Rupp Arena. What a great atmosphere. Uh, you know, of course, we had – uh, buzz on earlier today as well the uh, buzz baker the uh, the voice of, of their basketball team and and he was talking about the struggles because how how, how well i'm 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 49 and I, I don't recall ever seeing north carolina duke and kentucky all down in the exact same year uh it's just been remarkable and it's been a tough year the fact that these guys haven't folded it up in some programs and are still fighting away uh, you know, the, 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 these teams, if, you know, from an insider's perspective, guys, March Madness needs to happen because so much athletic department revenue derives from March Madness money that a lot of programs, uh, well, every program that participated or would have gotten that money just didn't get the, uh, the bulk of what they had coming. So, uh, you know, a tournament, an NCAA tournament, 
that, that really needs to happen. Uh, and I know you want to maybe preview the Auburn-Mizzou game a little bit. I don't know as much about that, but, you know, speaking on that same topic, I just was kind of going into, I'd like, you know, maybe you guys tell me as well, you're hearing now about even ACC, Pitt, Louisville, some of those coaches are, are starting to posit the idea of, you know, if we think or any team in America thinks they're a deadlock for the tournament after the regular season, are you going to see teams opt out of their own conference tournament? <laughs> yeah, because, that's you interesting. Know, what, what if we get COVID? What yeah. if they get hurt? Uh, but, you know, and, and so that could happen. Now, I, I'm going to say in the same thought, and I don't mean to dominate the conversation, but if they don't go to the tournament and they don't play basketball and they don't stay in their hotel and practice, what are they going to do during that tournament before the NCAA tournament, because they're kids interacting with other kids, other students, they're going to be social, they're going to go places, they're going to interact. How is that going to keep them any safer sure. for the NCAA tournament? But that, that's just all a whole bunch of hoopla, I'm sure. Well, and you're also right about just continuing on with that. I mean, there's all, there's going to be rigorous testing, I'm sure, every day, I, I, would, I would imagine, when you're going into the conference tournaments, because you're playing every single game, you got to make sure you're clear every single game, and those are day-to-day events that you're going to have more on you're going to have more on your players and more information on your players throughout that week than than maybe you would if you didn't play so I would hate to see that I think even like having our pulse on high school football I think we've seen at times maybe some schools be a little bit more hesitant to play at the end of a season if they knew they were already locked into a good place going into the playoffs if they had maybe a a non-region game at the end of the year they may have not have wanted to play that because they they didn't want to get COVID so I I completely I understand uh, both sides of the equation but I would love to see those conference tournaments go on because that's that's where the magic of March begins you know you see some of these smaller schools be able to play their way into the dance because they can get a Cinderella run going. J.D., I appreciate you taking the time to join us today, kind of tell everybody where they can find the press box and where they can find you on Twitter. Well, I, you know, and, and maybe you – because all, all the markets tend to, to run it at a different time, um, you know, and, and we're very fortunate to be on such a great signal there uh, in East Central Alabama and, and what, what, what you guys are doing, which is just phenomenal, and the stations under your umbrella and your roof just continue to grow now down towards Auburn. Uh, in a lot of markets, it is live 7 to 9, uh, but PressBoxRadio.com as well, and you can hear the show pretty much any time of the day. But obviously we'd love the listeners in that part of the country to, uh, to enjoy it uh, on your great st- uh, stick and signal there uh, because uh, just a great partner, and we uh, appreciate what Lee Perriman, Michael Brandon, and, and you guys know and that whole crew do, uh, not just for our show, but, of course, for that, that part of Alabama and, and broadcasting in general. But, uh, you know, it's a growing program. We appreciate you guys for sticking with us and giving us a shot. Thanks, J.D. Hope you enjoy the rest of your afternoon and uh, enjoy the senior ball. I know that's got to be fun out there. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. You guys are great. That was J.D. Byers, play-by-play for South Alabama and host of also the new show, The Press Box. He's hosting that alongside uh, Chris Stewart, and you can hear that in our uh, in our family of networks on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in the evenings from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. That's where people can check that out. You can also listen to it via the online stream as well on foxsports983.com. We're going to head to a commercial break here on On the Line, and when we come back, we'll wrap up hour number one of the show. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. A big thank you to J.D. Byers, the host of the Press Box with Chris Stewart and also South Alabama play-by-play man. He was there with us on our last segment. If you missed that conversation, go and find 
that conversation on the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Follow Levi and I on Twitter at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at, at @RadioALSports. It's the place to be for Auburn and Alabama content as well as high school sports content. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. Last segment of the first hour here. Let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Get the most out of your crime shows with CBS running new episodes of NCIS, FBI, and FBI Most Wanted from 7 to 10. Movie selections for tonight, comedy lineup on Freeform starting at 6 with Adam Sandler in The Waterboy and Will Ferrell in Step Brothers. A lot of good college basketball tonight. Let's start with the 6 p.m. time slot. Red River Rivalry, number 24 Oklahoma at number 5 Texas on ESPN2. Kentucky tries to avenge a 20-point loss to the Tide with a game against ninth-ranked Alabama on ESPN. Mississippi State at number 18, Tennessee, is on SEC Network. At the 8 p.m. time slot, Georgia Tech and Duke start the action on ESPN. Auburn hosts number 12, Missouri, on ESPN2. And LSU is at Texas A&M on SEC Network. One NBA game is on TV with the Clippers at the Hawks on NBA TV at 6.30. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Big college basketball night. Huge college basketball night. Auburn basketball will be taking on Missouri this evening in Auburn Arena. Alabama basketball looking to defend a top 10 ranking for the first time in a long time. It's been since 07 that Alabama's been inside the top 10. Crimson Tide have a rematch there with the Kentucky Wildcats. We'll continue to talk about those games as the show goes on, but we're going to revisit now where we started the show off, ranking Auburn's position groups going into the offseason. Levi we're ranking these one through eight. We started at the bottom with the worst going into the offseason. It doesn't mean they're bad. and doesn't mean that midway through the season they won't be a top-half unit. We just mean where they're going into it. That could factor in depth. That could factor in all the production they lost because people are going to be scratching their head when I tell them I had wide receivers and tight ends at the bottom. But I do because of all the production that they've left and just generally having a lot of bodies they do. They've got depth with uh, bodies, but – are they good bodies yet? I just think that's remained to be seen. I, I don't think that there's just enough on film to know that that group is just a bona fide, you know, top four, top five unit on Auburn's football team. My eight was wide receiver tight ends, and then seventh was O-line. You did it in reverse. Eight, you had O-line, which I 100% understand, and then seven was wide receivers for you. Let's keep it going here. Sixth, we had the same one, defensive line. Tell me where you're thinking on this one. There's just not a lot of production or just a lot of talent from last year that looks to be returning. I mean, Kobe Wooden's coming back. That'll be a. That's I don't a think good, the returning's the issue. They're bringing the, back letter winners. It's just they didn't do anything. Yeah, I mean, the guys who are coming back didn't do anything. There was just no real production. It doesn't look like it. Just it's a very meh position that you look at going in. You look at it and you say, "What? What did you? What did you do? What happened?" It's just it's Wooden had one of the best seasons out of all of that group and nobody expected him to everybody's expecting big cat bryant to have a big year everybody's expecting daquan newkirk to have improved and have gotten better and been one of the main names both of those guys transfer out of the program they had underwhelming seasons very limited production from both of those players that hurts your depth a little bit but it's still a position group that auburn has recruited a lot of bodies a lot of good recruits when they were brought in but now it's time to see them develop Tracy Rocker also that 
I think with it seems like his status is in limbo based off some of the reports we've seen in the media. We don't know if he's here. We don't know if he's there. You know, you don't know if he's in Philly or if he's in Auburn. You don't know enough about that situation there, and you hate that. Of course, spring practice is in a couple of months, so it's not a huge deal. It's more of an impact on the recruiting trail and how annoying it is that you might have to refill the position. But I don't think it's as much about not having enough bodies. I think this one's about production. It's just, what have you done? I'll keep saying it. It's what have you done, and they haven't done much. I don't know if it's even about what have they done. I think it's more about what has been done to them. They've been blocked out of the frame. I'm harsh with this group. Maybe I should have put them lower. Maybe I should have put wide receivers at six and O-line and D-line at the bottom because Auburn lost football games this year because their lines, plain and simple, were bottom half in the SEC. They were, I would say they were average to below average when it comes to being in this league. And that is why Auburn loses to Texas A&M, Georgia, Alabama. That's why they lost to those teams this year. That's why they lose to Alabama, Georgia, and LSU with consistency because they, they do not, with consistency, win the battle in the trenches on both sides of the football. You have to. You can't win one or the other. If you want to consistently beat those teams, you've got to do it on both sides of the ball. Auburn hasn't had as much of a problem with it on defensive line. They have won it in the trenches on defense for the past four years until this past season because they had Derrick Brown, they had Marlon Davidson, they've had Carl Lawson, Montrevious Adams, Jeff Holland. Need I go on? They have done excellent at winning in that defensive front until last year. Last year, Poor season for the defensive line. They got blocked out of the frame. There's no reason why any team in the SEC should be able to run for near 300 yards on you. They Teams did not respect Auburn's defense one bit. Fourth and one, go for it. You're going to get it. And you said it. They're getting blocked out of the frame, and there's no reason they should have. There's absolutely no reason. You cannot tell me that Derrick Brown was responsible for that much production. And he was, he's responsible for a lot of production, but it was night and day. This group should not have been that bad going into last year. Somebody wasn't developed. The young players weren't developed. Now I understand a drop off, but it, it wasn't just it wasn't just like hopping down a few steps. It was like falling off of a story it went from okay? nobody it was, it was falling from the second story to the bottom okay nobody could run on auburn and then it went from everybody ran on Auburn. it wasn't it wasn't hopping down two step uh, two steps on a flight of stairs it was falling down the whole flight it was tumbling okay this group took such an enormous step back maybe they should be lower on my list maybe i'm maybe i wasn't fair enough to, maybe i was not fair to the wide receivers but the d-line has been it was atrocious at times this year egregious at how bad they were getting blocked out of frames and how easily it was for opposing teams to just move them all over the field they they never won up front and it made the linebackers look worse and let's not even we haven't even gotten started on the pass rush the pass rush was left dbs on an island for uh, way too long for way, way too, too long. long it may it, the dbs should have been more mad at the line for making them look bad at times and look horrible made roger mccurry have to come back to college that's it for hour number one of on the line we'll have hour number two coming up on the other side of this break stay with us you are on the line 
live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. We had a dandy of a first hour. And if you missed it, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. You'll be able to find a conversation we had with J.D. Byers, South Alabama play-by-play and host of the Press Box with Chris Stewart as well. Talked about Auburn in the Senior Bowl with K.J. Britt. He's there. He weighed in today. We'll revisit that later. We got a packed hour number two for you. We got to find a way to jam in all the content. Auburn basketball host in Missouri tonight. We're also going through our rankings for Auburn football's position groups going into the offseason. Right now, so far, we've done eight through six. We got to get five to one here. And we'll remind everybody of our list as well. But before we do that, I'm going to remind you to go and find our on the line Twitter poll on ESPN 1067's Twitter account at ESPN 1067. On the line poll, rank Auburn's position groups going into the offseason. Those are eight position groups that we're going through right now. So one through eight, those position groups, quarterback, running back, wide receiver slash tight end, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, DBs, special teams. Comment that below. Once again, you can go and find that poll at ESPN1067 on Twitter. We want to hear from you. We're already getting some responses coming in, so we're looking forward to that as well we had a twitter poll yesterday we'll review we'll revisit the answers to that i mean if anybody's curious on the line poll will aaron Rodgers even make it to the super bowl ever again overwhelming 83 percent said no and auburn auburn elvis had, had the tweet of the day yesterday he quote tweeted it and said i guess that depends on fluctuating ticket prices and how well he invests his money is it he's going back as a fan if anything not as a player they let him player <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of harsh responses to Aaron Rodgers today. It's uh, and yesterday I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting the heel turn from everybody on him. I know I was a little bit harsh and critical of his performance on Sunday, but I didn't think everybody else was going to follow suit. Let's head back into our Auburn position group rankings here. I'll remind everybody of my list and yours as well because they're pretty similar so far. Shocking to most people, probably. I've got receivers and tight ends at eight. And once again, the, the disclaimer here, the condition is you're going into the offseason right now not knowing anything about Auburn's wide receiver group other than some names. You got Kobe Hudson, Capers, you got Canyon who showed up in the bowl game, Shedra Jackson coming back. And the position has been recruited well, but nobody's proven anything. It's the most unproven position group on Auburn's football team so I've got them at eight seven O-line six defensive line the only difference here between you and I is you have the offensive line as the worst position group going into the offseason and I've got uh, offensive line at seven so you've got O-line at eight wide receivers at seven I've got that flipped so let's move on now to fifth on the list and I'll start it off I've given you I've let you hold serve so far so I'm going to start it off here now we're number two you got quarterback I think for me I've got Bo Nix and his unit at five there's no depth at this position right now none so I think that that hurts this group just a little bit of course Bo Nix is talented 
He is. We've seen it. The potential is there. I've talked nonstop about this. I think at times people are unfair to him. I think also at times the criticism is rightfully deserved. He feels phantom pressure. He leaves the pocket too quickly. He makes his offensive line look bad sometimes, and then sometimes his offensive line makes him look bad. Sometimes the scheme made him look bad. Sometimes his receivers probably made him look bad, and then vice versa. Sometimes he makes his receivers look bad. It's all connected. It's a conglomeration of issues when you talk about Auburn's passing game right now, and I think you have to take all of that into account when you're looking at how to rank Bo Nix amongst this, these position groups, and also think you have to take into account where's the depth at. If Bo Nix you know, were to go down or, or were to, you know, not perform well enough, where do you go at quarterback here? You don't have a whole lot of depth at this position behind him to be able to step in. Of course, Demetrius Davis coming in to the program now as a highly rated four-star quarterback recruit, but I think he's raw as a passer, if anything. Of course, Athletic is all get out and can run the football. We've seen that. He's Offensive Player of the Year given to him by the Touchdown Club of Houston. He's got the accolades coming in and the ability to dazzle, but will it translate to college football right away? You just don't want to have to go through the freshman quarterback situation again. I believe Bo Nix is the guy for Auburn moving forward, and I think when you look at it, when his career's done at Auburn, everybody will remember him very fondly, and he will have done some good things on the plans. Whether or not he's going to win a championship like Gus Malzahn foretold, I don't know. But this guy definitely will have Auburn competing, I believe, for championships. But right now, going into 2021, me having him ranked fifth amongst the position groups right now is me saying the potential is there, but there's a lot of work to do at that position with Bo Nix, working out some tendencies in his mechanics and also him leaving the pocket too early. They've got to work some of the negative tendencies out, but the potential is there for him to really climb and be one of the best players in the SEC. It took Joe Burrow a year. Of course, Bo Nix is two years now, but Mac Jones didn't look great when he first stepped out there. Joe Burrow didn't look great when he first stepped out there. Guys develop. We don't need to be so hard. He was, he's been an underclassman for the past two years. Now he, he's you know effectively going back into another you know sophomore season take two. I think that there's loads of potential there, but a lot of work to be done with Bo Nix. I think those are all fair criticisms as well. I'm not going to get too into it because, again, we will get to my ranking of the quarterback in a little bit. So I guess I will hop right in here to what I have is my fifth best unit, fifth, fifth from the bottom, whatever you want to say it. I'm going special teams, and we hit on this yesterday. I don't like kickers. Even the most accurate kicker in college football is still a liability. <laughs> you told me Andrews Carlson misses two last year. He needs to make all of them. I, <sighs> if you want to be good at your position, make your field goals. I I, I just cannot get – I can't. He, he does make his field goals, though. Every kicker misses field goals. Even some of the best ones. Harrison Butker missed like seven extra points this year in the NFL. Justin Tucker was missing kicks left and right in the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, I can't excuse extra points. I can't do that. I, I can't excuse any of it. I'm tired of kick. This would be a much higher group if it was based off of just the return game because I think they're being weighed down by punters and kickers. I don't care how good they are. They're liabilities on a football field. I'm sorry, man. You're way wrong. You're way wrong on this one. Auburn's being weighed down right now by punters and returners, not the kicker position. And I guess we'll just move forward then to our fourth one on the rankings because that's where I'm at. I'm with special teams. I've got as the fourth best unit. It's no longer talking about worst for me anymore on this list. Now I'm getting into best. I think that special teams is a bright spot for Auburn going into 2021. Andres Carlson was in the Lou Groza semifinalist 
watch list or not watch list at that point he was a semi-finalist he was in the running all the way down to the wire and I think this year with another great season you could be looking at Anders Carlson bringing home the Lou Grossa something that his brother couldn't do and when you look at Anders Carlson's start as a kicker at Auburn and how he has developed he's upped his kicking percentage by like 10 percent every single season this year I believe is in the 80s next year you know if he has a great year only misses one or two kicks again he drills some from beyond 50 has a really long has a really long season, long kick. You know, I know that sounds redundant, but if it's a if it is you know a fifty five yard, he drills a fifty five yarder, and he's longer than any of the other kickers out there. He's going to have a great shot at bringing home the Groza. He's a weapon. Gus Malzahn said that too much. You know, Gus Malzahn loved to say things like, "Well, you know, our we use a weapon. He can hit it from anywhere on the field. You know, I mean, it's just just great to have that. It's like you know, it would be great. I understand your point. It it, it would be great to score some touchdowns too. It would be you know? great to have. T- you want touchdowns over field? One hundred percent. But it is a weapon still, nonetheless, to know that you can come if your offense can't get there sometimes. When you're like field goals are the difference in football games. Auburn won against Alabama two years ago because or it seems like whenever Auburn beats Alabama it's because they can't kick field goals you know so just as much as it can't you want your guys making it you want the ability to make it you want the ability to strike from anywhere because just as much of making it's a great thing just to add three or a good thing to add three it's a it's a massive detriment if you can't kick field goals it can lose you ball games that's exactly why we shouldn't be kicking field goals it well, can lose you ball games that's why we should never kick field goals write a letter to your to your to whoever the rule maker is for football that you want that change to just get rid of kicking period because it's not going anywhere and it's a major part of the game and right now Auburn's got a good kicker they do borderline I would go as far as to say they've got a great kicker the only reason why this unit is not higher is because Auburn has virtually no kick return slash punt return game Eli Stove was fair catching every time I, uh, I do like the ability of I've seen bright spots from Tank Bigsby in the kick return but I don't think he'll be there this year. I think he's too valuable to try it out there with injury. No, and I don't think they should. And, and most teams should weigh that a little bit more effectively than what Auburn has in the, in the past. Anybody else returning kicks for Auburn, though, has not shown the ability that Noah Igbenogany did to be able to go the full 100 yards. There just haven't, there hasn't been any body that has just jumped off the page for me that can go all the way down the field and put up, you know, a surprise non-offensive touchdown punt return they've always they've you know this past season and a half they've just been fair catching with Eli Stowe mainly because they didn't trust Christian Tut to bring the ball down safely but when he had it he was able to get a nice return when he was able to bring it down it was just a you were clinched the entire time watching him with the football right. in his hands and then punting punting is also I think an area of I, I think punting's just average at Auburn it's not anything special it's fine they're accurate they're not big legs they're just accurate punters you never see a shank you just you don't see anything that's going you you don't have the ability to you know drop one 60 yards down the field like some other kickers we've seen in the past I just don't I understand wanna, it who's fourth on your list I just don't want I just don't <laughs> we're not gonna spend a ton of time on kickers who's fourth I got linebackers here at fourth for me I think the linebacker position is a really deep position we've We've hit this topic so many times. Owen Papo, Zacoby McLean, T.D. Moultrie moving back into the linebacker position. A lot of guys, they haven't had, they've been a little underwhelming in terms of certain production aspects, but that also we've been running about, Auburn's ran like two linebackers most of the time on the field. So I think they're going to be put on display a lot more in this new defensive scheme. And I think just with the depth alone, the veteran presence of them coming in I think this is a position group 
that is going to be highlighted on their defense. I think this is a really good group that they have. Not a lot of guys who are just jumping off of the page, but just a lot of good guys and a lot of depth. I'll get to my linebackers later. Linebackers bothered me this year a little bit, though. I'll talk about the negatives with them, and then later I'll talk about the positives. The, the main thing that bothered me with the linebackers this year, they didn't play well in space. They were solid in between the tackles. So Kobe McLean, about as good as it comes in laying the lumber when they're inside when they're inside the hash marks. But when they had to play out on the perimeter, I was sighing all game long. Like, man, there's another missed tackle. They have a hard time with angles. And as athletic looking as they are, because they're 210-pound linebackers, which is, you know, you you talk to our founding fathers of football, you know, you go back 20 years, 30 years, I know the founding fathers of football weren't there, but, you know, I wonder what, what football players think, you know, from 30 years ago when they look at linebackers that now and they're like, linebackers used to look like K.J. Britt. Now they look like Owen Papo and Jacoby McClain, and those guys used to look like safety. So they're good, and they are one of my, they are one of my best position groups. They're coming up on my list because – they're some of the most experienced players on Auburn's team, and they have some of the most star power on Auburn's team. I just need to see more from them out on the perimeter. So I'm with you. Uh, you know, having them at four, I could have dropped them more. I was having a hard time of where to put them, but I like uh, I, I like this Auburn team when it comes to uh, getting into these top four rankings where we're at now. These groups could could use some depth. I think that we're getting into, but uh, I'm looking forward to running through the rest of this list. We've got all the way down to four. We've got our top three coming up on the show throughout the rest of this second hour of on the line if you want to go check out our twitter poll on the line poll rank auburn's position groups going into the off season we've got eight of them quarterback running back wide receiver slash tight end offensive line defensive line linebacker db and special teams you can comment below we've already got some responses there the the two responses that we've had so far looking at them they've got linebackers as their number one that people love people love lot, them some Auburn linebackers they're high on them it's a very deep group and it's a group that could that has a lot of experience and could do some serious damage next year in a new 3-4 scheme so I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what those guys do I think that scheme fit is going to be really big with getting a lot of these guys out there especially with a guy like we said T.D. Moultrie bumping back into his natural position I think that really helps this group. It could end up being an absolute beast. That'll be fun to look out to. You know, Chandler Wooten's coming back. They got a full, full-fledged four guys that can slide in, and then all the recruiting they've done as well. More of on the line on the other side of this break. We'll keep it going here. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you. We want you to call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We've been going through our rankings of Auburn's position groups, Auburn football's position groups, going into the 2021 offseason here. That's some interesting ones. If you want to talk to the crazy people on the radio, like the guy who doesn't believe you should be kicking field goals and the guy who put Auburn's receivers at eighth. Feel free, once again, the number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 or add us on Twitter, at Point Gardner and at Levi Fitzwater. We'll revisit our rankings. we got three more to go through. We'll go three through one here, so we're getting to our the better part of our list here. We'll go back to that a little bit later as we wrap up the show. Still got about 
40 minutes left in our show before the drive with Bill Cameron follows us on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and on ESPN 106.7. But let's switch gears. we got a basketball game tonight, and it's it's an important one. Auburn will be hosting 12th-ranked Missouri with a chance for this young squad to get a prestige-building win for this young team. It could be their first top 25 win of the season for this Auburn team that really doesn't have a whole lot of great W's to hang their hat on and something that is absolutely blowing my mind right now you told me this when you came in in the when you came in the studio you you said this and I went what Auburn is favored by two and a half points against Missouri tonight take me through what's going on right now with the betting lines it's it's interesting when you see a team that's ranked as high as Missouri is right now going on the road and being a two and a half and it sometimes has been a three-point underdog and it's borderline a push that's just a bucket that's not it's it's not alabama kentucky's line tonight which is at like eight usually that anything three or lower is very very close very close one thing i have noticed though there is a lot of what people would call sharp money has been dropped on auburn which is when a big lump sum of money has been put that means someone out there who has the money someone out there is feeling frisky they're either feeling frisky or they they're very good at what they do is what is why they call them sharp. So again, a lot of times that means nothing. A lot of times that will account for a shift like this where you see Auburn go from one and a half to around two and a half and at some points three because that's what happens. Money controls those lines. So it could have nothing to do with the basketball game. We went through some of the stats when we were just sitting here over the break and these teams aren't too far off. If you look at I know we're gonna let you go into all this with the Ken Palm rankings where Auburn and Missouri really aren't too aren't too different. Not in the rankings. Uh, of course, they're separated by about 20 spots in the overall rankings. Missouri's sitting at 32 overall, and Auburn's sitting at about 59, according to KenPom.com's rankings. The big thing here for me when you dig into the stats and even getting outside of Ken Palm's stuff, th- this Missouri team really doesn't have any substantial wins on their schedule either until they just beat Tennessee in the midweek, who I don't think we can trust them anymore. And you've pointed they've, that out. They've after been they, kind of spot. They've been kind of downward trending. Something a little bit happened lately. in Knoxville. Someone checked the water, you know, like something happened in Knoxville last week that just completely upended Tennessee athletics period. But when you compare these two teams right now, I think that this is a matchup that favors Auburn statistically Auburn's on their home floor. They're going to shoot the basketball better. They're averaging in the 80s right now, as Sting pointed out yesterday in his crunching the numbers segment since Sharif Cooper's joined the team. They just dropped 109 on South Carolina's heads on Saturday, and then you go into this ballgame and you're hosting a Missouri team that is strong on the defensive end of the floor. Let me assure you, Quanzo Martin's teams are going to learn how to play defense before they learn how to shoot the basketball. The reason why Missouri is now a top 15 team in the country, a top 12 team in the country now, is because he's finally got a deep backcourt. They can finally score the basketball. So this Missouri team is different than what we've seen under Quanzo Martin up to this point. 45.7% from field goal range is Missouri. Auburn's at 45.5%. So they're very comparable from efficiency standpoints on the offensive side of the ball. I think... When you're talking about Missouri's defense versus Auburn's defense, though, and trying to find a separating factor, Missouri has been the better team all season long on the defensive end of the floor than Auburn has. At times, Auburn has struggled to get back on defense, especially when you're talking about teams that really like to push the tempo. Missouri's a little bit faster 
than we're accustomed to seeing them this year. They're having a little bit more possessions per game, and I think part of that is because Quanzo Martin finally has a backcourt that can handle the basketball. But here are some difference makers for Auburn that I think can really lead them to victory in this game and why I think even what you're seeing on the betting line side and seeing how the how this is moving towards Auburn a little bit and why people are why this is a sexy upset pick. This is the sexy upset pick tonight. Auburn's on their home floor. They're going to get a bump there offensively. They're going to be able to knock down some three-point shots from beyond the arc. That's going to boost Auburn a little bit, in my mind, for being able to pull an upset. That's the great equalizer when another team is better than than the team that they're going into their place, right? The offense can be something they can play above and beyond what they have been all year long. The, threes, the three balls, the great equalizer. You see that in tournament play. On top of that, Auburn moves the basketball a lot better than Missouri does. Almost three more assists per game does Auburn. They're, they're averaging 15.4 assists per game versus Missouri's 12.7. And I don't have these stats in front of me, but I would be encouraged to see that I, I, Auburn's probably averaging more assists per game than 15 than when you know this five-game stretch that Sharif Cooper's been out there. Because Sharif Cooper is accounting for you know 12 and 11 and 9 when he's out there. He's had double-digit assist games in like three or four of his five games that he's been out there. So Auburn's moving the basketball better than what I think Missouri is capable of. That's going to help them on the offensive end of the floor to be able to get some good looks. It's just going to come down to Auburn knocking down the three ball. If Auburn can knock down the three ball, that that's kind of internally, if you're picking this game, that's, that's the question that you've got to answer for yourself. Is Auburn going to knock down enough threes to win this game? Auburn's going to live and die by the three when it comes to upsetting a top 25 team like Missouri. And if they're knocking down their shots, Auburn's going to win this game. Missouri's not going to turn Auburn over a whole bunch. I think Auburn's even beginning to fix some of their turnover issues. You look at this past weekend against South Carolina, they held on to the ball better than they had at any point in, in this season. They've gotten incrementally better as the year has gone on or as Sharif Cooper's been inserted into the lineup. So for Auburn, I think what it comes down to is can Auburn knock down the threes? And for me, in making my official pick in this ball game. I believe Auburn's going to knock down the threes that they need to in order to pull this upset. I don't want to get burned again in the midweek because we picked Arkansas last week and we were looking like pretty smart guys with about two minutes left in the first quarter. They blew the lead. Turnovers killed Auburn. Arkansas made a huge change on the defensive end of the floor that, curious enough, we didn't see South Carolina even trying an attempt. question is, with as good as Missouri has been on the defensive end of the floor, are they going to be able to also get into double teams on Sharif? If they can do that, Auburn loses this game. But I, I, I'm going to land on the side, especially with what we've seen and how this line has shifted towards Auburn at 2.5. I think Auburn's going to knock down the threes that, it, that will make the difference in this game and ultimately win it. Fundamentally, Missouri's the better basketball team. But for Auburn, I think the threes are going to make a difference. One other stat here that, I, that just completely slipped my mind until I just looked back down and my stat sheet in front of me. Auburn's also averaging over three more blocks per game than what Missouri is. 5.8 blocks per game are the Tigers as one of the highest marks in our league this year. Missouri only at 2.8. Does that mean that Missouri's bad at defending the rim? No, but it's also going to make me wonder if Missouri has the internal presence to be able to alter shot makers like Sharif Cooper and Alan Flanagan who are going to drive to the bucket. If they aren't able to alter shots in the lane... Auburn will be able to get every bit of what they want inside, and that's going to lead to buckets on the perimeter. I think those are two important stats for Auburn. I think Auburn's going to be able to knock down the threes, and I think I also like Auburn being able to get what they want inside against Missouri because I think they're lacking the shot block ability, the shot blocking ability to intimidate Auburn in the paint. 
And that's exactly what I was about to say. Just that ability for Sharif Cooper to be able to drive to the basket, that opens up so much for this Auburn offense because if Missouri's not going to be able to pose a threat and protect the rim, then they're going to have to commit more to down low. They're going to have to bring more bodies down low. And what that's going to do is go back to the first point you said. It's going to open up the dish. When you drive to the basket, it's going to suck all these people in because you've been bad, or not bad, but not great at protecting the rim. Then you're going to have a lot of open guys and a lot of open looks from three. think Auburn's going to make those. They're at home. Better sight lines. We've talked about this. This is where this Auburn team can thrive and really hit a stride. I think they're confident after that big offensive explosion that happened last Saturday against South Carolina. I just don't think that they've had time to even consider overlooking this Missouri team. I think they are just hot. I think they're playing well. I just I like the matchup from that perspective. I think it all just kind of lines up with Auburn. There's a reason that they're favored in this game, and it's probably going to scare people, but I think I think it makes sense when you really dive deep into some of those statistics. So you're picking Auburn to win this one? I'm going to go with Auburn as well. I, I think that they're going to get it done today. Do you have a do you have like a, a point spread there difference that you think Auburn's going to win by? Do you think Auburn covers? Can't believe I'm saying that with this Auburn team after how they've played at times this year. I think they'll I think they'll cover. I think they'll cover. It could be. I don't want to go too outlandish. I think it's going to be a tight one. I think it'll probably end up covering maybe four or five I, I could see a push I could see them winning by three and just straight pushing you know I made a statement a little bit ago where I, I I said well you know I think that Auburn's probably averaging more assists per game with Sharif Cooper during these five during this five game stretch with him compared to their average they're actually not only 15.6 to the season average which is 15.4 so marginally I think it's I think you're already seeing some of Auburn's stats possibly beginning to adjust maybe a little bit more to Sharif Cooper being out there and maybe resembling the average of not having him versus having him but surprisingly not that many more now 15 assists per game is good it's 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 a good mark to be at in college basketball you see more teams hovering around where Missouri's at at 13 or 12.7 that is than you do maybe at Auburn at 15.4 I think you'd like to see that number increase outside of Sharif Cooper does Auburn move does Auburn create opportunities for other guys well not really Auburn really and that part of that's because Justin Powell's not out there who it does not look like is going to play in tonight's ball battling game against head, Missouri he's still injury is battling him he's hard. still not moving around that much so and, and that's all from Bruce Pearl you got more of on the line coming up we got 30 minutes left in the show stay with us you don't want to miss what's coming up Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Follow ESPN 1067 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. On the line, the drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more. That's all on ESPN 1067. Find the website on ESPN au.com we got about 27 minutes left in the show and then it will be the drive with bill cameron following us here on espn 106.7 and on fox sports central alabama on 98.3 fm getting back into some auburn football talk we've been ranking auburn's position groups going into the offseason that's our twitter poll as well find that on at espn 106.7 that's where you can check that out on twitter but also at the senior bowl 
KJ Britt representing the Auburn Tigers. We talked to J.D. Byers earlier in the show. He said he got to see him out there in coverage for a little bit. He, he was, you know, he's been, you know, performing pretty well out there. So that was a good conversation we had with J.D. Byers at South Alabama play-by-play and host of the Press Box with Chris Stewart. If you missed that conversation, go and find it on the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Weigh-ins were today early this morning. The Reese's Senior Bowl was putting out all of the weigh-ins today on their Twitter account. Good luck scrolling through that and trying to find a guy that you want to find because, man, you're going to be scrolling through a lot of pictures. But eventually found K.J. Britt. He came in today at 6 feet tall, 239 pounds, 76-inch wingspan, 30 and 3 quarters arm length, and then 9 and 3 eighths hand width. And we talked with Christian Page, or at least I texted with Christian Page, friend of the program, good friend of mine as well. He's an NFL draft analyst for CoverOne.net. Uh, follows a lot of Auburn athletics as well, really closely. Go and find him on Twitter. But Christian Page texted me a quote of his opinion on some of the weigh-ins and what it means for K.J. Britt moving forward, going into try, trying to carve out an NFL career, possibly getting drafted He said, quote, I would say average to slightly below average across all measurements. His shorter frame accompanied with some heaviness will be a concern given his only average speed and quickness. Undersized linebackers have become popular recently only because the guys can run and play a versatile role. Can Britt do that? I don't think so. End quote there. And I think he's spot on. I think that's a lot of... I, I would compare K.J. Britt, if I had a comp for him coming out of Auburn, I would compare him to Deshaun Davis. Was lacking maybe more in the measurements and the physical realm, but he had a great head on his shoulders, a great attitude, a nose for the football, and he was really solid in run-stopping, and he could hit you hard. But in the NFL, a lot of what these GMs, what these scouts take into account is your ability to move, your ability to play in space, and I think that's a major concern for K.J. Barrett moving forward in the NFL. They want a lot of guys with that lateral quickness or just quickness in general, especially if you're at that size with that frame. You're expected to be more of a quick guy who's going to be able to cover, make tackles in open space, go sideline to sideline. You've seen the transition in the NFL with quarterbacks who are mobile. You need linebackers who are going to be able to go side to side with those types of quarterbacks and athletes in general. And unfortunately, K.J. Britt doesn't have that raw athleticism in terms of his speed, quickness, and ability to move like that. He's he's just not a guy who can overcompensate for where his size is with his quickness right now. And it's hard to overcome that in the NFL. You have it's to. very difficult. If you're, if you're going to be small in the NFL, you have to be fast. That's pretty much what we've seen, and that's position to position almost. If you're going to be small, you got to be doing something else exceptionally well, and K.J. Britt isn't doing something exceptionally well. And not just fast, because everybody in the NFL is fast. You have to be super fast. You have to be, like, lightning fast. You have to be, like, blink of an eye fast. You cannot just be fast. Everybody in the NFL is fast. You've got to be think, fast. I mean, think about a position to position. Tyree Kill, below size. Fast, a smaller guy that you, most people might not have heard of, Boston Scott, running back for the Eagles, below average. What about G- Taylor Gabriel? Taylor um, Gabriel, yes, guys like else? that. Who else? Michael Hardman has found his way. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is pretty much the one guy that I can think of in the NFL who's just not like fast, you know. But he's also he's also a little bit more stocky in his frame. Sure, he makes up frame. for it with some strength and generally just you know 
he he will run you over. That guy plays mean too. I think it was something that he's got exceptional maybe his heart compared to maybe some other backs out there. He runs hard. That's kind of Sean Shivers thing. Now Sean Shivers probably a little too small a little to bit, make it to the a league. A little bit too small. <laughs> probably just a little bit too small because right now whenever he gets hit in a college football game, it's like it's like a, a major car crash. Just people flipping all over the place. It, it's wild. Let's get back into our rankings for position groups going into the offseason for Auburn football. Keyword there is going into the offseason. Some of these groups don't have a whole lot coming back, but they could be some of Auburn's best position groups next year. But right now, with so much unproven, groups like wide receivers, they're towards the bottom of our list. We've gone right now eight through four. I'll, I'll say mine, and then I'll let you go, and then, and then we'll get into the top three here. Eighth for me, wide receivers, tight end, seventh, offensive line, sixth, defensive line, fifth, quarterback, and fourth, special teams. Who do you have, eight through four? Eight, I had offensive line, seven, receivers, tight end, six, D-line for me, five with special teams, and fourth were the linebacking core. All right, let's get to three then. Speaking of linebackers, K.J. Britt, also you mentioning it there. Three for me is linebackers. I like this group's talent. I like their depth. Of course, moving T.D. Moultrie to inside linebacker possibly will be a big deal for Auburn and the Chandler Wooten coming back also. Wu-Tang is back, right? That's his Twitter account, some of the best Twitter accounts in the game, at It's Me, Wu-Tang. I mean, he'll, he'll be back for Auburn also in what could be a 3-4 system and I think that's what you're looking at when you have titles like inside linebackers coach and outside linebackers coach I think that's a signal that Auburn probably will be moving to more of a 3-4 scheme in the future and then you couple those four guys that have experience you also couple that with the track record that Auburn has done with recruiting now not a lot of those young guys saw time this year I think Auburn mainly only cycled through two linebackers which was Owen Papo and Jacoby McLean. They really didn't do much more outside of those two. They were on the field a lot, which is a huge boost for Auburn moving forward because between those two guys' talent and then the depth that's behind them, this is easily one of the most experienced groups for Auburn, one of the most talented groups for Auburn, and and one of the most consistent performers for Auburn. If they can get the defensive line playing better up front, the, the Auburn's front seven could easily move from being a bottom-half unit in the SEC and defending the run into a top four unit, top three unit in defending the run in 2021. I like this this linebacker group a lot. I don't want to harp too much on it just because you've went through it. I hit it already, but you did bring up a good point that I didn't even consider. If the defensive line plays better, the linebackers, they're going to have a lot taken off of them. So sure. that that's also going to be important to what this core does this year. So for me, sitting here at three, I'm going to go with the defensive backs. I like the veteran they're bringing, the veteran presence they're bringing back. We would have loved to see Jeremy. You would have loved to see Sherwood come back. That would have really helped. But Smoke Monday is a guy that's going to come really help. Roger McCreary, we we noted that the defensive line made him have to return to college because they put him on <laughs> islands a little bit too long. They just sometime. had to be in coverage for too long. And that's not a knock against the defensive back because the defensive backfield. I think they are so incredibly talented. It's just sometimes they got left out there for far too long. And you can some of the best quarterbacks and defensive backs in the game from college to NFL, you can't cover forever. Eventually sure. you get what is called a they just break off a route and they go find a small open spot and they hit them. And that comes from lack of production at defensive line. Again, this talented backfield is one of the best ones. That's why I have them at number three. I think they're bringing back a lot of production, a lot of potential for guys as well that could even be better but right now as it stands I think this is the third best group that we have all right let's get to number two then because you've got you've got quarterbacks and running backs left here I've already knocked one of those off my list quarterbacks was at five 
but I, I, I'm curious. Do we have the same one here? You go first. Number two for you on your list. Number two for me is quarterback. I don't. think I think mm. that is the second best position they have. I think Bo Nix is the second best player they is have on this roster. I think is it's that a bad good th- for Auburn. I think it's a good thing. I think a lot of his issues have come from just. You blame bat. it more on everybody else than on Nick's. And that's not to say that he's not to blame for certain things. His deep ball accuracy has been really spotty. He's made a few inconsistent throws. But I think if the line shores up, I think with a new scheme, he's he's got Bobo right in his back pocket right now. And I think that is what separates him. And that's what puts him so high on my list. I think he has this position to where the talent is there. And now he's in a better position to succeed going into the offseason does that mean that that's going to come to fruition absolutely not I just think that right now he is set up with good short to immediate short and intermediate accuracy I think he's mobile he can escape he he can he makes some throws that you go wow that is an NFL caliber throw the problem has been consistency and I think with the position he is in new head coach new offensive coordinator line should be a little bit better probably better routes for the receivers I think he is in position to be the second best position group Auburn has. And that's also neglecting that Demetrius Davis, uber athletic, we don't know what he could do as well. Help me out here. And I'm, I'm going to, this maybe neglects the fact that I put him at fifth, but I think Bo Nix is the best experienced quarterback in the league this year. Of course, Georgia's JT Daniels, I would put in front of him right now based off what he did for Georgia at the end of the year. He made that offense look different. But who else in the East? I mean, Kyle Trask is gone. There's a mass exodus of quarterbacks leave. Of course, Tennessee doesn't have a quarterback. Vanderbilt, definitely not. Missouri's got Basilak, but I don't think he's better than Bo Nix. Who am I leaving off? South Carolina does it? I mean, who, am uh, I leaving not, off anybody in the East right now before we move back to the West? Felipe Franks is out of the West, so I say... I, you Mac, look over the West, Mac Jones is gone, so there's no experience there. LSU... <laughs> I mean, uh, who, who else is out there? Kellen Mond's gone. Matt Corral? Matt Corral's still there? I think he's... I think Bo Nix is probably better than him. You think so? I think so. I think Corral's just too... Inter- he's too trigger-happy for me. But then again, and also, talk about a guy who's benefiting from the fact that he's got a great scheme, great Matt, coach, and Matt great Corral. receivers. Matt Corral. So if we're if we're taking those guys out of their situations, maybe I, I lean a little bit more towards Bo Nix there. But maybe it's... You know, you're talking about production, though, and you look at the stats, I can't refute it. Matt Corral's been better than Nick's as far as production is concerned. And we're talking more from an experience standpoint with this. Like, but if you're also talking about, more. like, losing you games, Matt Corral's lost Ole Miss get more games than what Bo Nix loses Auburn. You know, I mean, like, oh, Matt Corral's thrown, that, that what, six picks in a game before? Like, I mean, come on, you know? So, to your point, though, you are right. Bo Nix, after the mass exodus, he is the most experienced and he's probably coming back into the year second behind JT Daniels is like best quarterback going into the year what is coming back from last year that's that's interesting I hadn't thought about that a whole bunch there could be really bad quarterback play in the SEC this year and that also fringes on how what what step is Bryce Young going to take Alabama is he going to be great I mean of course he'll be great uh, regardless but that but you're going in uh, just to think about experience Bo Nix has has the experience coupled with talent because there there's always going to be people with experience that you're like "Eh, I'd I'd rather have someone less experienced with a little bit more talent on the other side of this break I'll give you my number two we ran out a little bit of time for that I'll give you my number two and then we'll both give you our number one position group for Auburn football going into the offseason you're going to want to hear that stay here on on the line back in just a moment
wrapping up on the line here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you. We got a little bit left in the show, so if you want to join in, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. The phone lines are open. And then following us, The Drive with Bill Cameron, Dan Peck as well. They'll be taking your calls, so join them as well. Also, another two hours of local sports talk radio will be with you coming up after On the Line. we still got about seven minutes left in the show. Let's take a look at what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Get the most out of your crime shows with CBS running new episodes of NCIS, FBI, and FBI Most Wanted from 7 to 10. Movie selections for tonight, comedy lineup on Freeform starting at 6 with Adam Sandler in The Waterboy and Will Ferrell in Step Brothers. A lot of good college basketball tonight. Let's start with a 6 p.m. time slot. Red River Rivalry, number 24 Oklahoma at number 5 Texas on ESPN2. Kentucky tries to avenge a 20-point loss to the Tide with a game against ninth-ranked Alabama on ESPN. Mississippi State at number 18, Tennessee, is on SEC Network. At the 8 p.m. time slot, Georgia Tech and Duke start the action on ESPN. Auburn hosts number 12, Missouri, on ESPN2. And LSU is at Texas A&M on SEC Network. One NBA game is on TV with the Clippers at the Hawks on NBA TV at 6.30. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you. Waterboy on tonight, one of my all-time favorite movies. I'm not going to lie, I enjoy it. It's a great movie. It. I mean, I thought everybody loved The Waterboy. It's a great movie. It's great. It, what is it? Farmer Fran or whatever, is that his name? Limp by another day. Win limp by another day. That may not have been my great. My, that may not have been my greatest impression of him what, whatsoever, but, you know, he's, all, he's, he's a hoot in the movie. Um, let's keep going on our position group rankings here. And you've already given your your second. I, we've been going through Auburn football's position groups going into the offseason, ranking them. My second best, just giving it quickly because we don't have a whole lot of time left, and you and I both still have to get to our number ones. I'm going running backs. Depth here, a major concern. They're going to fill in the gaps. They're going to find another couple of running backs. Maybe it's through the transfer portal. I don't know. Nobody's going to usurp Tank Bigsby's role in this offense. He's one of the best running backs in the SEC coming back, one of the best running backs in the country coming back, and I'm excited to see what he will do year two. One player was enough to make me consider this to be the best position group at Auburn. I didn't get them there because of the depth, but they're up there. This group, and Sean Shivers is not a bad two either. He, he is somebody that you can insert in and will do positive things if the offensive line can help him out a little bit. Of course, he does need creating – spe- creating his own space is a little bit more of a concern for Sean Shivers considering his, his height and weight limitations. He's not as – he's not going to be able to do as much, but he runs hard and he runs with a lot of heart, and I think that adds to his yards per carry total than what maybe you would have seen out of somebody else that was Sean Shivers' size. It's time for our number one position group, Levi Yours is running back. I'll just go ahead and get right into it. You already hit on a little bit. The reason they're up there, it's because of Tank Bigsby. I think he's the best player on this Auburn football team, and that was enough to put me at the top. I think he is going to be a difference maker for this Auburn team. The depth is a little bit concerning. I do understand that, but I think they're going to fill in those gaps. I think they'll find guys that do it. Don't want to repeat everything you said. Sean Shivers is a very capable back. He has a lot of experience. I just think Tank Bigsby is too good. I think the offensive line should be better, and I think this balanced attack will be able to allow Tank Bigsby to show the uber-athleticism he has and flourish in his second year at Auburn. I just hope they throw to the running backs more. 
That is on my wish list for Auburn football in 2021. Talk about being one of the most versatile threats in college football. If they can start getting him the football out in space with some routes that can get him open coming out of the backfield because Tank Bigsby is dangerous enough when he's sifting through players and, you know, breaking tackles. I mean, sometimes you see him break tackles where you're like, there were three guys there. How did he just crawl between someone's legs? You know, how'd that guy do that, you know? But imagine what he could do when he's got loads of space and grass in front of him. That was something that Carrion Johnson was so special at. Carrion's vision, Tank Bigsby has the vision and the balance that Carrion had. But now he's got the physical skill set as well. Carrion wasn't the fastest running back out there. He wasn't the strongest running back out there. But he had elite vision, elite balance. It was out of this world. It was it was Le'Veon Bell-like vision and balance at running back when he was at Auburn. And that's a big reason why he's in the league and why he's, if he can avoid injuries, why he would be a, a solid running back for any team in the NFL. I mean, I think this dude would thrive in a Patriots offense if he wasn't in the wasteland that is Detroit Lions football. And wasn't getting hurt and didn't have injury concerns as well. And Tank Bigsby may not embody, you know, top end speed for running backs, but he's got top end strength and the ability to break tackles. Just a lot. He's very Alvin Kamara like, where yes. he just can do a lot of things, not the fastest, but enough speed to compensate and get by. My top unit, defensive backs. You had them down at three. I like them at the top because. I weigh more on this. I, I say that this defensive backfield was hurt more than any other unit on this defense by that defensive line. They couldn't get a pass rush. Like, who's the best pass rusher on this Auburn football team? You can't name it. Who is it? There was never, and it would be somebody different every game, and we don't even know going into this year who's going to be the primary pass rusher for Auburn football. This defensive backfield was left in coverage too much, and it's still amazing what they were able to do uh, against some some other pass uh, some other pass heavy teams. I was impressed with how they handled Mississippi State late in the year. People may be saying, "Well, it's Mississippi State." It's like they're an air raid offense. They didn't get torched, and it's not like they had a whole lot of help from their defensive line. But even more than that, they're the deepest unit on this football team. They have the most bodies with the most experience. A lot of people are high up on Ladarius Tennyson coming back. That'll be fun, but of course, I'm the most high up on Roger McCreary, who, if he has an excellent year this year, has a first-round upside, at least a second-round draft pick right there, I think. Or I'll say at least a third-round draft pick for McCreary, like worst case. But I think you're looking at him most likely as a second-round pick, which is which is a great place to go for a DB. He's going to go into a good situation. Hopefully, McCreary has that type of lockdown corner in him that the ones who have came before him had, like Noah Igbenogany, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean. He's got the skills to make it at the next level. Of course, Simpson and Pritchett showed promise. Smoke Monday's coming back. The only guy you lost was Sherwood and Tut. Tut's not a huge loss. You hate to lose Sherwood, but Auburn's got the bodies all over the place. Tennyson is someone who, who you can be really excited about. I love this unit. I think with some of the great receivers leaving this league, you know, Tony's gone now. Devontae Smith's gone. Waddle's gone. This is a unit that's going to be able to flex this year. I'm really excited about the defensive backs. That, that's a good point. That's a good point with all the receivers leaving. Wasn't something that we considered, but that that's a top unit. That does it for another edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater will be back with you tomorrow. The drive with Bill Cameron following us. We'll see you tomorrow. You know where to find us.